Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So when you play a big game like Georgia did this past Saturday against Clemson, it leads to a lot of big conversation. And we said this going into it, that there just aren't many games on the college football calendar that give you the feel of what a Georgia Clemson gives you. Eight million people watching on television, huge crowd taking over the city of Charlotte for the game. It just had the real big feel. And everything is bigger about a game like this. The buildup, the hype, the attention going into the game. And in the aftermath of that, you also get a lot of big, hot takes in reaction to it. And, you know, I have heard from some Georgia fans in the aftermath of Georgia's win against Clemson who have said, B.A., I don't feel like the national media is giving us enough credit. And by us, they mean them and their favorite team. I don't feel like they're giving us enough credit for going out there and beating Clemson. I'm hearing too much on what Clemson did or didn't do. Essentially treating Clemson, if it's, it's the story, would have been the story had it won. Uh, apparently in the eyes of some, also the story after it lost. And that Georgia was, in the minds of some, just the other team in the game. Now, I have said that I haven't quite seen it that way. I actually feel like Georgia has gotten some credit. You know, obviously you can't help but be overwhelmed by the defensive performance that Georgia put together in a game like this. So I have seen some of what I would say is uh, is, is some credit for UGA. But I want to play for those who maybe feel like, hey, too much talk about Clemson, not enough talk about Georgia, a little bit of goalpost moving, you understand that phrase, that you know the, the obstacle in front of Georgia was, oh, Georgia can't beat a team like Clemson, and then when Georgia does win the game, in the eyes of some, the goalposts have now been moved, and it turns into, well, who's to say Clemson was really that good to begin with? There are some Georgia fans who feel like they're hearing some of that kind of stuff. And as I said before, I'm about to play for you an example that sort of seems like that. However, after you hear this audio clip, I want to tell you why, in a way, this conversation might actually be a good thing for Georgia. So let me set it up this way. There's a show on ESPN in the mornings called Get Up. It's hosted by Mike Greenberg, and there's like this revolving door of analysts who come in throughout the week and kind of spew their hot takes, and they have a conversation. And in the aftermath of Georgia's win against Clemson, one of the analysts who was on board that day was Marcus Spears. Now, Spears is a guy that I really like. A lot of you do there as well. We see less of him doing ESPN, SEC Network-style college football talk than we used to, and I think that's a shame because I think he's one of the best to do it in recent years. But he was asked after Georgia's win against Clemson, what has happened to Clemson here last few big games? Think about the loss to Ohio State in the playoff, lost to LSU the year before that in the national championship. The thought that the last few big games for Clemson really haven't gone too well. And Spears goes in with both feet on Clemson here. In fact, suggesting in the headline at ESPN.com when they ran this video, I thought it was really pretty wild. It says it's like the beginning of the end for Clemson after losing to Georgia on Saturday. This is a very dramatic portrayal of what happened to Clemson against Georgia as a follow-up to some of the recent big games. Interesting stuff from Marcus Spears on ESPN TV this week. Take a listen to this. I hope the window has not closed, but it's looking like it. And look, this is not just about recruiting. Dabo and that staff are still going to recruit at a high level, but there needs to be some evolution, especially with this offense. And I remember sitting there at SEC Network when Nick Saban hired Lane Kiffin. All right, that was a that was a line of demarcation because Nick Saban decided I need to have the ability to put up 50 points a game. And that was the evolution that they made. And right now, Clemson offense looks anemic. It looks too dependent on stars as opposed to schematically being able to, to get some things going. When you look at that Georgia game, and we all expected Georgia defense to be really good. But when you look at what Clemson was doing, it was so predictable. Mm-hmm. And it was so it was so Clemson for the last five, six years that we've seen. But in that in that time, you had Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. you had Trevor Lawrence, you had Trevor. Travis Etienne, you had Higgins, you had all of these players that go overcome that. They are beyond that point now. So, on the one hand, I, listen, if you're a Georgia fan who says, well, come on now, you're not giving the Georgia defense enough credit for making the Clemson offense look bad, 
for the most part, I kind of agree with you on that. I mean, for the most part, I mean, you hear Marcus Spears say, oh, man, this Clemson offense was so predictable. Well, part of the reason that's true is because the more dynamic plays that I think Clemson was trying to call, they were completely snuffed out by the Georgia defense. I mean, imagine what the Clemson offense would have looked like. Imagine what DJ Uyunglele, the Clemson quarterback, could have looked like if he wasn't being sacked seven times. That's more than any quarterback has been sacked in the in the Dabo Swinney era there at Clemson. So imagine the passing plays that could have happened, the passing yardage that could have been obtained if Georgia wasn't putting Uyunglele on his back and having him counting lights all throughout the night there in the uh, city of Charlotte. So to a degree... Yeah, you can probably say, well, Marcus Spears not quite giving the Georgia defense enough credit for making the Clemson offense look bad. And yeah, on Saturday, it certainly looked like that there was no Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson walking through that door or T. Higgins or Travis Etienne walking through that door. You can certainly make a case that there was an absence of big-time playmakers for Clemson on Saturday in compared to what we've been used to seeing from that team over the course of the uh, last few years. But also, this is week one here. And the step down in competition that Clemson's about to uh, undertake, I'm guessing we see a lot more from guys like Will Shipley or Joe Nagata or Frank Ladson and certainly Uyung Lale. My guess is that we see a version of the Clemson offense in future weeks that doesn't look quite as anemic as it did against Georgia because they're not playing a defense quite as good as the one they're playing uh, against Georgia there. So, you know, from that standpoint, if you're a Georgia fan who says, hey, listen to Marcus Spears, the audio clip BA, you're playing yourself. That's him not giving enough credit to Georgia. I I, I kind of understand where you're coming from on that. However, let me make a slightly different point just for a quick moment on that same thing you heard from Spears there. I think Georgia fans actually ought to welcome this conversation because while on the one hand, it's making Clemson the story, honestly, in a roundabout way, that's not a bad thing for Georgia right now because think about the frustration that Georgia fans have, have kind of had to live through in the last few years where the measuring stick for Georgia is Alabama. You know, that's the team that Georgia gets compared to, or a team like LSU in 2019. Whereas you've got this, you know, concurrent to Georgia building itself up under Kirby Smart. You've had Clemson building itself up under Dabo Swinney. They've won a couple of national championships. And everybody, certainly Clemson fans, but a lot of other people around college football are like, hey, Georgia, why can't you beat and be a a program as good as Clemson? And a lot of Georgia fans have said back to that, and I'm sure maybe privately some of the Georgia coaches and players maybe even thought this themselves. You know, the response is, well, tell you what, let us play Clemson on the field. Let's see how that game works out. You know, uh, it's easy for Clemson to say they're building a program that's better than what Georgia is because they haven't had to play Georgia. But let Georgia take on Clemson head-to-head on the field, and maybe this Georgia program can take Clemson down a peg. And for all those recruiting wins, there have been a few that Clemson's gotten against UGA. You know, the frustration of the fact that a lot of Georgia fans believe that Clemson has built that by feasting on the other paper tigers in the ACC, a pillow-soft conference that's created kind of a – a false foundation that the Clemson program kind of rests itself on. So Clemson has been an arch nemesis for Georgia in recruiting, even though the two programs had not played head-to-head during the Kirby Smart era and had not played head-to-head at all since 2014. So imagine how much better life will be for UGA in recruiting, in the battle on the national landscape. Imagine how true all of that could be if what Marcus Spears says there ends up turning out to be right that the window for Clemson closed on Saturday. Georgia slammed it shut. All of a sudden, Clemson's no longer a national power. Georgia, on the heels of Ohio State and LSU the two seasons prior to that, exposes Clemson as a program that's not what it once was when it had all-time great quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. I think Spears may be overstating things a bit, but if he's not, that's good news for Georgia. Right now, there are a handful of teams that truly compete at the top elite level. I'm talking about in terms of winning games and gathering recruits. It's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's been Clemson, it's Ohio State. You include Oklahoma in a conversation about that, and that's about it. Well, imagine if you reduce that club by one. What if really and truly Georgia did vote Clemson off the island on Saturday? What if Clemson does on the heels of a week one top five loss what Florida State did on the heels of a week one top five loss in 2017? What if they spiral after this? What if they lose a couple of games? It's hard to see on the schedule right now where those losses might come from, but what if they do? It may make the week one win for Georgia against Clemson seem devalued, but the actual value of the Georgia program will go up because of that, because the exclusive club of the teams that truly compete for national championships, it will have been reduced by one, and Clemson, when it looks at itself on the outside looking in, will know that it's Georgia that put them there. I don't think that's a bad thing. Now, let me shift gears to this. Speaking of giving Georgia credit, 
Uh, I thought it was interesting, and I guess this was as predicted, Georgia moving up to number two in both the coaches and AP poll over the course of the uh, weekend after knocking off Clemson. Now, I said on our Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore on Saturday night that if I had a vote, and listen, they don't give ragamuffins like me a vote in polls like this for maybe obvious reasons, but if I did have one, I'd vote Georgia number one. You can say, well, that's Homer pick, B.A., Homer, Homer, or whatever else, and that's fine. I really don't, don't care about that one way or another. But here's the only response I'll give you, that either the recent past matters or it doesn't. And if Georgia beats Clemson, a team that's been in the playoff each and every year since 2015, I would say that's a validating win for Georgia, the best win that any team got in week one, no matter how it was gotten, that's the best win anybody got. On the basis of what Clemson has been, Georgia beating Clemson, I would say um, that matters and you got to make Georgia number one. Other people say, well, no, you got to look and see what Alabama did to Miami. But once again, listen, either the recent past matters or it doesn't. Alabama's status over the course of the last couple of years, if that's going to factor into uh, what it did week one against Miami, because Miami in and of itself is not a validating win because of what that program has been, which is nowhere in recent years. They didn't beat Michael Irvin or, uh, you know, know, Warren Sapp or anybody like that on, on, on Saturday night. They beat the current version of Miami, which hasn't proven itself worthy of doing anything. So either the recent past matters or it doesn't. And if you're going to say Alabama doing what it did week one on top of what it's done in recent seasons makes it the number one team in the country, then I would say that you have to also look at what Clemson's been in recent years in terms of the victory that Georgia got. And you're going to come back and say, well, B.A. Georgia right now doesn't have enough offense to be the number one team in the country. I'll certainly agree with you. They don't have enough offense right now to win the national championship. But we're not talking about winning the national championship. We're talking about being number one in the country after week one. And if the next couple of weeks, if they were to stumble offensively and still be scuffling to score points against lesser competition, then at that point in time, it makes sense to move them down now. But I think who you play matters. I think what you do in those games matter. If the head-to-head results aren't going to be crucial in the conversation, then what's the point of playing the games? So Georgia came in at number two. That's a big leap forward. The playoff ranking is the one that really matters. But college football fans love the debate. Polls create the debate. And if I had a vote, I would have voted uh, Georgia number one in the country on the basis of the win that got against Clemson. Even though we've all had our issues with how Georgia played offensively, this is one of those games where the only thing that matters is the result, and the result favored UGA. So the bottom line here is this. The aftermath of Georgia's win against Clemson continues to unfold. A lot of praise for UGA, a lot of questions about Clemson, a lot of curiosity about where things go next. And in fact, let's talk about that right now. But first, let's introduce the show. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And good to have you on the program today, no matter how you get to us live on video, on the page at dognation.com, on the Dog Nation app, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms, podcast platforms, the Apple Player, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com. We post the show each and every day. We had a little bit of an issue with that yesterday, but we'll get two shows up today to make up for that. So for those of you that wait to have the show at dognation.com, I sincerely apologize for that. Uh, Some of you listen right there through SoundCloud. However you get to the show, just really appreciate you being with us and being a part of all of it. Big thanks as well to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for making it all possible. You know, Harris is a great getaway, two hours from where I'm sitting right now in the beautiful mountains of western North Carolina. And sometimes we're talking about the terrific casino gaming that you enjoy when you go up there. Or sometimes you're thinking about those gourmet restaurants, the world-class shopping the luxurious spa, so many fun things you can take advantage of when it comes to Harris, Cherokee Casino Resort. You play golf at Sequoia National. That's always a really cool thing, too. But also right now, as we get going with pro football here on Thursday night and then every weekend after that for the next 20 weeks, obviously college football up and running there, too. Don't forget the sports book is now open, the book, sports gaming, legal sports wagering right there in the mountains of western North Carolina at the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort properties, both the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort and Harris Cherokee Valley Rivers. So check out Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee for a lot more on that. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee for a lot more on that. All right. A lot more on our show coming up there, too. We'll get Mike Griffith in a moment. We'll do a practice report with him, brought to you by our friends at the Georgia Farm Bureau. For now, though, I want to go around the doghouse, furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And we talked yesterday 
about what I believe is a real opportunity for the Georgia offense to improve itself in the weeks to come. We said some of this stuff will be easy and will lead to incremental improvement, like getting guys healthier, getting guys more experienced, just playing worse defenses than the one on paper that you played against Clemson on Saturday. And we said there's also an aspect of this that's um, you know more challenging as well. you got to win the chess match against the defensive mastermind that you're battling on the other side of the field. And if you want the exponential growth, you got to do that. You've got to deploy your talent in a way that the other side just didn't see coming. And it's not easy to know how to do that, but there's clearly some coaches in college football that seem to be good at doing that each and every week. And Georgia's got to be one of those teams using the talent it has available to it if it wants to you know, kind of get all of that done. It was also kind of interesting to see this also talked about as well at a recent piece at ESPN.com. They were looking at kind of what's next for each of the top 25 teams in the AP poll. Georgia, as we mentioned a moment ago, comes in at number two on that list. And Mark Schleybaugh writing the blurb here about Georgia gives you a pretty succinct look ahead for Georgia over the course of the next few weeks. We know one side of the ball. What's going to be true for the other side of the ball? Let me show you Schleybaugh here from ESPN.com who says, Georgia's relentless defense was doggone impressive, and it was. And Schleybaugh goes on to say, that should be more than enough in upcoming games against UAB, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. In other words, maybe don't expect too much from Georgia offense the next few weeks, but just know that defense is going to get things done. That kind of got me thinking a little bit. Let's look at this Georgia schedule for just a moment. So let's take Schleybaugh at his word. I think he's probably right. A lot of defense against UAB, a lot of defense against South Carolina, a lot of defense against Vanderbilt. That's the next three weeks, September 11th, 18th, and 25th. Then you think about the defensive performance you're likely to see against an Arkansas team. I think it's worth watching this upcoming Saturday against Texas. But also, as, as Schleybaugh says, the same defense that shut down uh, Clemson on Saturday, you would expect to shut down UAB, South Carolina, an awful Vanderbilt team, and probably Arkansas there as well. But how much can you expect from the Georgia offense over the course of that same span? Let's start with this Saturday against UAB. It's obviously a group of five opponent out of you know Conference USA. This is typically speaking the kind of game where you know some Georgia fans might you know kind of roll their eyes a little bit. Some Georgia fans are tired of playing these kinds of games. But as we've said now for months in the show, that not all you know paid opponent what Kirby, Kirby Smart kind of calls the buy games. They're not all created equal. That UAB is certainly better than like a Charleston Southern team or the other teams that you might be playing here and. Kirby Smart, when he spoke to reporters yesterday, went into some detail about exactly the respect that he has for this Blazers defense, led by a coach in Bill Clark, who was head coach before UAB shut down a couple of years ago, came back and resurrected the program, and has really had UAB playing you know, very well, especially on that defensive side of the ball. This is Kirby yesterday giving some credit to Bill Clark and the Blazers. They're really good on defense. Bill does a tremendous job mixing up coverages. Um, they got uh, long, rangy outside backer types that are hard to block, quick twitch guys, um, really athletic linebackers in their secondary. I mean, they have a lot of guys that played, started a lot of games. I mean, the two corners, it seems like they've been playing forever. You go back and, and you watch games on them, and it seems like that same group of secondary has been playing uh, for a long time. Um, they do a great job. People, people don't understand. I mean, these guys are a one-score game late in the game with Miami. Um, you know, they, you know what they did to Georgia a long time ago and they played them really tight. I mean, they just they do a tremendous job. They got really good football players. And um, I got a lot of respect for the way that they do. So based on what Kirby Smart says there, and yes, coaches talk up their opponents, even a, you know, a team like UAB that's you know, nearly a four-touchdown underdog to UGA, coaches still talk up their opponents in a game like this, and maybe all that's what that is, the coach speak stuff. But I think it's at least worth – you know, giving some credit to UAB for truly being a great defensive team or a very good defensive team, if, non, if, if nothing else. And maybe that impedes the offensive progress for Georgia a little bit this Saturday. As I said before, maybe you also have meager offensive expectations for South Carolina on September 18th, Vanderbilt on September 25th, and Arkansas the first Saturday in October and October 2nd. But then that leads you to October 9th at Auburn, a team that's currently ranked in the top 25, and a team that has – a couple of very interesting September road games. A Penn State game that's going to be a wide out, going to be a huge stage up there in Happy Valley, but a, not an unwinnable game for Auburn. An LSU team on the road. Yes, Auburn hasn't won there since 1999, but this is an LSU team that didn't look very good in losing at UCLA this past Saturday. So there's a chance, not, a, not, a, not, a, not an overwhelming chance, but some chance, that Auburn's undefeated when it hosts Georgia there on October the 9th. 
and that Jordan-Hare Stadium could be rocking and rolling a little bit. Georgia will still be a pretty big favorite in the game, but there's a chance that Georgia-Auburn ends up feeling like a bigger game when it's actually played than some Georgia fans kind of view it to be right now looking way ahead to October 9th. And so that's where I kind of get to what I think my kind of reasonable expectation for the Georgia offense is. I don't care if this group's not great on Saturday against UAB. They're still pretty banged up. Next couple of SEC-style tune-up games, don't really care about the either. A little bit better against Arkansas, probably so, because Arkansas is at least good enough to, to challenge you a little bit. But this Georgia team needs to be better offensively by the time October 9th comes around. When they go on the road, Jordan-Hare Stadium, a place they've lost before going back to 2017, and a place they didn't play great offensively in 2019, scoring just 21 points. Jake Fromm threw for just 110 yards that day. DeAndre Swift was the leading rusher with just 106 yards. Uh, leading receiver that day only had 50 yards. This was a day in which Georgia didn't play very well offensively. So first time back at Jordan-Hare Stadium since that game in 2019, my reasonable request, so to speak, for the Georgia offense is, can you be healthier? Can you be more seasoned? Can you be more ready to put up some points, to put up more than the 21 you put last time there offensively uh, back in uh, 2019? Can you do more of that when you go there October 9th here in 2021 it could be a big game it's the next time on the schedule that Georgia may really need to ask something from its offense and I think looking ahead to those next few weeks that's the moment when you kind of need for it to be ready so we'll keep our eye on that Georgia can't look ahead as a team but we can as a show and so our attention is on October 9th at uh, Auburn just a bit there it's around the doghouse it's furnished today by our friends at rooms to go and listen when you look around your home or wherever it is that you're living and you say, wow, there are some things we could do around here just to make it look better on the inside. Rooms to go has got you covered on that, whether it's an entire uh, you know, uh, ensemble of furniture in a room. It's just that one individual piece that you might need, or it's like an accent piece, just something to just kind of enhance the decor you already have. Whatever you need, Rooms to go can cover you on all of that, indoor and outdoor and entire rooms, portions of rooms, individual furniture pieces, whatever else. So do this. You can go to roomstogo.com and find out more about this yourself. That's the word to, T-O, roomstogo.com. Or you can stop by one of the Rooms to Go showrooms near you and really take a tour and find that out for yourself. Feel and touch all the furniture and imagine how it would look inside your home or wherever it is that you're living. Rooms to go has got you covered on all of that. They can furnish uh, your home space here today, just like they furnished around the doghouse for us here each and every Wednesday on Dog Nation Daily. Great to have them with us. All right, before we're done on today's show, there was a fairly well-known UGA fan that had some remarks about the current state of affairs at Georgia, maybe a little anxiety, anxiety maybe a little concern about what happens next for UGA. Uh, I think a lot of Georgia fans like this person, but not everyone liked what this person had to say here yesterday so we'll play the audio for you on that let you judge that for yourself also interesting to hear a former Georgia Bulldog talking about a chance to rematch against his old team we'll let you hear that or we'll at least uh, share some of those words with you before our show is done today so that's all coming up but for now on everything involving Georgia its preparations for UAB how healthy it is what it expects to do defensively what it's trying to get better doing offensively let's cover all of that right now it's a georgia farm bureau practice report with mike griffith here on dog nation daily and it's great to have you with us as well from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider and we'll say hello to Mike Griffith here. Uh, his appearance brought to you by our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau as we uh, take a look at the preparations for UGA, getting ready for UAB on Saturday. And uh, Mike, we played some audio a moment ago of you know Kirby Smart talking up uh, Bill Clark, that UAB Blazers defense. And listen, this is what coaches do. They you know they pour out their own team. They talk up the other team. And you know Kirby's no different than any other coach for the last hundred years and stuff like that. But as we've said on this show before, not all of these group of five opponents are created equally. Georgia is obviously nearly a four-touchdown favorite in the game, so it's not expected to be a close final score. But UAB certainly provides a stiffer challenge for Georgia than a lot of other you know, group of five type opponents you could draw out of a hat here. There's a little bit more to think about when it comes to UAB because they've been in bowl games. They you know compete for conference championships. This is a little bit different than some of the group of five opponents that you could play, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think about an Appalachian State quality, you know, this is, this is a team that, that probably uh, isn't going to beat themselves, you know, and 
a lot of experience back. And, you know, it, it sounds like a watered-down version of Clemson, really. I mean, they've got uh, nine starters back on defense from a defense that was number seven in the nation in total defense, albeit, you know, they didn't play a lot of cross-sectional games. They were Conference USA, but they were the Conference USA champs. And, you know, they got a really experienced secondary. And you, you just wonder, you know, who's back for Georgia at receiver, who's not. And if they have an experienced secondary, could that slow George down uh, a, a little bit? You know, um, you know, it, it makes you wonder. And you know, you know, Kirby wants to get the offense rolling. You know, he's going to be looking for some explosive plays. But you know, it's kind of buyer beware. I mean, do you, you know, do you trust some of these guys uh, out there that don't have a lot of game reps? Now they've got one game at least, right? They played the Clemson game, but. In that Clemson game, Brandon, you and I were sitting next to one another in the press box kind of discussing it. You know, there was only one Georgia receiver playing that had more than 10 catches last year, and come to find out he's missed two-thirds of the offseason practices with injuries. And Kirby said Jermaine Burton's not in game shape. So I I don't know if Blaylock's ready to come back. I don't know if Kiaris is ready to come back. But I I do think that this game uh, poses some unique challenges because of uh, where, you know, Georgia's receiving core – uh, continuing to be an Achilles heel for the program. Yeah, last year in a pandemic-shortened season, UAB only had 21 sacks, but the year before that in 2019, they had 44 sacks. So they've also shown a history under Clark to kind of get after quarterbacks a little bit, which could be an interesting test for the offensive line. You know, you know, Mike, I think what you bring up about the current health of Georgia's wide receiver core is certainly really important. What I said a moment ago before you joined us is I actually have fairly meager offensive expectations for Georgia the next few weeks. In games like UAB, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, in terms of the final score, I don't think Georgia will be challenged all that much. A little bit more so against Arkansas. But then I looked ahead to the road game on Saturday, October 9th at Auburn. That's a team that has the possibility, not not a guarantee, but a possibility of winning at Penn State, winning at LSU. If, if that unfolds, Jordanier Stadium could be rocking when you look ahead of that game. And I also think timing-wise on the Georgia schedule, to me, that's where it seems somewhat reasonable that Georgia could be better offensively. To win a national championship, Georgia has to be better than it was against a good Clemson defense on Saturday. But when does that evolution occur? By the time you get to October 9th, road game, that's a place that Kirby Smart has lost before, dating back to 2017. By that point in time, experience for young players, injured players getting healthier, comfort with the game plan, whatever else. I think it's reasonable to say Georgia's got to be playing better offensively by October 9th. What do you think about that? I'd say October 2nd. The Arkansas game has me concerned. You know, there's a lot of super seniors back. Uh, That's a team that's going to come in with confidence. You know, they were beating Georgia for a half last year, albeit JT Daniels wasn't the quarterback, but George Pickens was playing. And right now, I don't don't know who the best receiver is on the field. So, you know, I I look at that game October 2nd against Sam Pittman and his team. It'll be interesting to see what they do against Texas this week, by the way. Uh, But but I I agree. You know, Georgia's got to be better than you know, it, we, we looked at that game, and yes, that was a championship-caliber front seven. The, the secondary wasn't, wasn't good. The corners weren't good, okay? they got to have better corner play. You know, Keely Ringo, you know, throwing people down like he's in high school or something. I mean, he's, he's, he's graded out terribly. You know, a talented upside, Kirby spoke of that yesterday about, the, you know, a really great player on the ball, but from a technique standpoint, was was really off his game, and he's going to have to get better at that cornerback position. I thought Darren Kendrick did well, except for getting beat on the 44-yarder. But And then on the flip side, you know, the, the obvious, the receiving core, as you said, you know, Jermaine Burton not in game shape. Uh, Arian Smith missed some practices, had a wrist, but also ran track. Um, you know, see, you need those guys to be up to speed by October, if not October 2nd, and certainly October 9th. I just, I just don't know what to make of Auburn yet. I mean, you know, beating Akron the way they did, I just I don't know what that means. You know, I'm I'm kind of with you. They would seem to have that upside uh, because of Knicks, because of Bigsby. You know, new energy with the coaching staff, experienced coordinators with Derek Mason and Bobo. Um, so yeah, if not if not that October second home game with Arkansas, then certainly. By October 9th, you hope Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith are back. And you're 100% right that there's a chance the Auburn game means way less than I just described it because the truth is they'll be an underdog at Penn State. And even though LSU lost to UCLA, Auburn will still be an underdog in that game there as well. So it's very likely that Auburn has two losses by the time they play Georgia and the game doesn't quite have the juice that I described. But there is at least one scenario in which 
the game actually ends up being a little bigger on paper than maybe some Georgia fans are considering to be right now. You mentioned the Georgia defense, and you know, obviously, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect, and you know, there are a couple of growing pains there for Georgia in the secondary on Saturday. But beyond that, it's the best defensive performance I've ever seen from Georgia in a big game. I'm talking about in my understanding of program history, which I've been a fan for you know 30-something years watching the team pretty closely. I've never seen Georgia play better defensively in a big game than it played on Saturday. They certainly have not played better defensively in a big game than they did under uh, in, in the Kirby Smart era. Uh, I thought it was just uh, it, it was a real sight to behold, Mike. It really was. It was a fantastic performance, and you know you got to give the Georgia players credit. There were opportunities for them to fold. You know, I mean, you think about it, and four or five plays before that Christopher Smith pick six, it, Brandon, it felt like the momentum had changed on that punt. You know, George had been dominating field position the whole, you know, first quarter, and you just felt like sooner or later there had to be a breakthrough. And then suddenly, you know, a rugby-style kick takes a strange bounce, um, you know, grazes Kendall Melton's foot as he, you know, doesn't even see where the ball's at, running away, blocking to me, horrible communication there. Kier should have told him to get way, way away from that. Uh, but, but Clemson recovers. And, and it looks like, oh, my goodness, all this work George has done to win the field position battle is, is just suddenly for naught. The field flips, and, and resiliency kicks in. And then, you know, there were a couple other opportunities where George could have cashed it in. You know, you think about, you know, JT's interception there and and how that gave Clemson the ball deep in Georgia territory, I believe, at the 33, Brandon. And you're yeah. thinking, well, here we go. You know, and no, the, the defense rises to the occasion again. Run defense solid. Clemson couldn't run the ball all night, as we talked about the week before. We, we both called that. And then and then they sacked twice, two in a row. Now you're out of field goal range. So big stand there. And then, and then finally late, you know, Darian Kendrick, who had himself a wonderful game, uh, gets burned on a 44-yard route, and you're going, well, here we go again. So there were plenty of opportunities for Georgia, um, you know, to, to kind of give it up. And I can't remember who said it in the play in the press box, but someone said, you know, classic Georgia, do something great, and then give up a big play on offense. You know, and, and it, 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 but it wasn't that, right? That didn't happen. The cynical person was wrong. This Georgia team did respond, did show the poise that Kirby talked about, um, and one in a great environment. I guess a great coaching staff. Look, Clemson, Clemson's good, man. Their coaching staff is really good and as good a job as Georgia's defense did. Clemson's defense also did a good job. Granted, Georgia had some pretty weak receivers, you know, but the run game really wasn't that good until the fourth quarter. Uh, really, most of their yards came on that final drive. They really hadn't done a whole lot running the ball effectively, consistently until that fourth quarter. Well, one of the points you bring about the defense is, and I'm not quite sure how big of a baseball fan you are, but think about like a closer in baseball. Like if you come into the game in the ninth inning with a three-run lead and you get three outs, like you get credited with a save, but honestly that's not that great of an accomplishment. You know, getting three outs with a three-run lead is not, you know, that big of a deal. <laughs> However, if you come in with the bases loaded in a one-run game and you get out of that spot – you know, in baseball, we call that a high leverage situation. That's what good relievers should be able to do for you is get you out of a tight jam. And you're right on Saturday, and I think this is one of the reasons why I was so impressed with what Georgia did defensively was much the same way in baseball we have high leverage situations. You know, Georgia's short field after the, after the interception or, you know, relatively short field, you know, after the, uh, the, 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 the muff on the punt there. You know, Georgia's getting out of that without giving up points, without giving up a touchdown, that they weren't just limiting Clemson. They, at times, were asked to do it on a short field. And, you know, after the interception, to knock Clemson out of field goal range because you were sacking quarterbacks, I mean, that's a big-time performance. It's one of the reasons why I'm not going to get stressed out about turnovers. I'm speaking as a fan here for a moment. I'm not going to get stressed out about turnovers, especially if it's a turnover where you're trying to make something happen, which what doesn't necessarily happen on this past Saturday. But the point is, is if you've got a defense that's that, that good – you can take some more risks on offense because uh, this is a defense that's shown you that, yeah, they don't mind being put back against the wall, and you know they may still come out and make the big play there. Brandon, you and I are always different on this. <laughs> we've, we've disagreed on this for four years. I say when you've got a good defense, you play field position because there's no way they're going to drive the ball. I, 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 I do hear what you're saying, though. Um, you don't panic as much when you got a defense like this. Either, either way you look at it, whether you play field position or whether you get it. And, and to be honest, Kirby's going to be aggressive offensively, so it's a moot point. 
in the past years when he was run, 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 uh, he was going to play field position, but that is not what this team's personality is going to be. This is a pass-first football team almost to a fault the other night. They probably should have gone to the run sooner once they recognized that Clemson was dropping eight. So I, I think your analogy is going to be more accurate this year because I, I think Kirby really is, is intent on putting the pedal down. And I don't think it was an accident. I'm always trying to interpret Kirby at press conference because he's, he's so calculated. And everything he says is with a purpose, right? He's thought it through. He never says anything by accident. And the fact that he named players lining up wrong at receiver was totally, totally to put the receiving core and the receiver's coach on notice. That The head coach is doing that on purpose. That's not an accident. He could have said that a lot of different ways, Brandon. He could have said, yeah, you know, there's a couple times, you know, we could have lined up better. No, no. He named the players. He named the instances. <laughs> I mean, he was – blunt we need to get this fixed and then when i threw up a softball question and said you know well coach you know can you explain what you know the challenges jt daniels had not having these receivers he's like look we don't we don't want those excuses he goes i don't want no excuses for jt or coach monk and myself he said it sounds like pity he said it sounded like pity he said we've got players and we've got to execute and, and, and is that not just the right attitude and ownership for a coach to say look don't we're not going to sit around and say, well, wait till so and so comes back. He's saying we've got good enough guys right now to win with if they execute, and he's putting it right smack dab on the coordinator, the position coach, and the players to go out there and do your job. No excuses. You came to Georgia to play big time football. You know, if you're out there on the field, get it done. You can't miss blocks. You know, some of the efforts was what disappointed me. And, you know, whatever playing condition Jermaine Burton's in, I don't know. But he looked like he didn't want to get in anybody's way. And you just you can't do that. Kirby is not going to stand for that at the receiver position. He won't. You, you, you know how fierce he is about those receivers needing to do their jobs on the perimeter blocking so that those running backs, you know, can get past the second level. And there were a couple times, you know, Kendall Milton and Zamir had an opportunity uh, Cook didn't do anything. I mean, he was a big zero. Um, why? Because perimeter blocking wasn't there, and he didn't make anybody miss. And he really didn't look that fast, to be honest with you. Um, that's going to be curious to see what they do with him moving forward, I would think, almost exclusively receiver, because the runs were, you know, I think somebody might have touched a shoestring and knocked him down once. But uh, the, the, the fun part is, is Kirby got back to being testy last night. And I think you're going to see a pretty fired-up Georgia team against UAB, Brandon. Well, I want to finish by asking about UAB in just a moment. Before that, let me remind folks, this is our practice report brought to you by our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. And so many of the folks who listen to us right now are hardworking people. They're going to work each and every day, and they need their trusted, dependable vehicle to be able to do that. And obviously, if you're one of those folks, one of the things you also want to trust and depend on is quality insurance to help protect that vehicle. You want an insurance company that keeps its promises, and that's what – my friends at Georgia Farm Bureau have been doing for folks right here in the state of Georgia since 1959. They've got, you know, friendly adjusters. They've got local claims people right here, um, claim representatives right here in, in our state, uh, local folks doing the adjusting for you. These are people that you can reach out and touch and have a relationship with, and they're looking to take good care of you there as well. Your vehicle, the thing that gets you back and forth where you're going each and every day, is one of the most important things in your life. So, Put the trust in the insurance that covers that vehicle with somebody who you know is going to keep their promise for you. That's what Georgia Farm Bureau has been doing. You can find them online for more information on that, gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. I'll get you in touch with Georgia Farm Bureau. So, Mike, let's finish with this. Georgia is a big favorite. I think 25 points at last check. It's been higher than that in some places. But, you know, kind of in that sort of, you know, four-touchdown range on Saturday, whether it be margin of victory, what you expect to see, what are your expectations for the Georgia game against UAB? And we'll finish with this. I think Georgia's going to be able to run the ball really well. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily the game plan, but I think that's what UAB is going to give. And I think Georgia's going to be more aggressive with that. I think Kirby was impressed with his offensive line. I think there's going to be an effort for t t to push the ball downfield and take some shots. You know, Clemson never really gave Georgia the chance to do that. You know, I kind of felt like, that 10-3 to 3 score, I felt like there's a lot of people around the country that are passing judgment that didn't really watch it. It's almost like you kind of had to be there to understand 
what was going on in that game and why it got dialed in so tight, you know, with both teams, really Georgia especially, not wanting, you know, having that lead, knowing they could stop Clemson and really not wanting to turn the ball over and not wanting to get behind the chains more than anything. And they were pretty effective at that. You know, this week, I think, as you said, I think you've got more confidence. You're at home. It's a home stadium. It's a home environment. Um, and, and I think Georgia's going to ride that momentum. And I, it's interesting because I, I, I kind of waffle on it. You know, I, I told somebody I wouldn't be surprised if they scored 50. I wouldn't be surprised if they scored 17. It, it's just it's a really tough game to call because UAB, you know, with returning starters, uh, that's, a, that's a grizzled program. You know, they played Miami last year. Now, Miami's not Georgia. But they, they've been on the big stage, and they've got a good coach, and they're experienced. Right? They got a returning starter, a quarterback. I believe they brought back their whole offensive line. Now, they lost some skill guys, so I don't think they're going to be super dangerous uh, offensively. But the question is, how much can they slow Georgia down, and especially with that 25 point spread? Right? That when we get right down to it, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about whether Georgia wins or loses, we're talking about whether or not Georgia covers the spread. And, and that's a tough one. Um, you know, special teams could help Georgia. We, you know, I think Georgia could do some things there. So I, I expect a win, Brandon. I expect Kirby and, and Munkin and, and JT to try to force some things downfield to be more aggressive than they were against Clemson. And I expect them to run the ball uh, quite a bit and, because I think that's what UAB will give up. And I think Georgia is going to do whatever they need to to put points on the board. So that's, that's kind of my – feel for the game i think georgia wins convincingly because their defense is absolutely throttle uab all right mike good stuff thanks for being here part of a georgia farm bureau practice report we appreciate your time we look forward to reading much more from you dognation.com in the days to come as well appreciate it BA. let's take a look around the rest of the league this is SEC through. Yeah, so Mike says there he wouldn't be surprised if Georgia scored 17 or if they scored 50. I know he's being hyperbolic, but, I mean, certainly if Georgia, you know, I, I don't expect Georgia to score 40 points on Saturday. I, I, I just don't. Now, I also don't expect the game to be particularly close, but the idea this is going to be pretty for UGA, I, I just don't think you're quite there yet, and I'm not going to be that stressed out by that. I mean, Georgia earned the right to, I don't want to say coast because that's not what they're doing, but they earned the right to not have every single Saturday be a proving ground, right? Had they lost to Clemson on Saturday, then all of a sudden the way that football works is they would have had something more to prove in this game. You got to bounce back, you got to show, you know, whatever else. But Georgia proved what it needed to prove last Saturday and the job the next few weeks. And Mike's right, you know, you look ahead to the first Saturday in October with Arkansas coming in, that's that's a game you got to take somewhat seriously. But these next games that Georgia are going to play, this is a chance for Georgia to get right, to get healthy, to get fixed, to, to, to figure out what you can do. We talked yesterday about more intermediate routes, not just the stick route dump offs and the, you know, the deep long bombs, but you know, the, the kind of intermediate routes that the best teams in the country seem to use to move the chains pretty frequently. You've got a few weeks to figure out how you can make that happen with the guys you have available and get some new guys back and things like that. So my expectations in terms of how pretty it's going to be from Georgia are fairly meager. My expectation in terms of how, I guess, maybe easy is the wrong word, but uh, non-taxing it's going to be, my guess is that Georgia sails to a comfortable win, if not always quite as convincing, maybe. Uh, That's the way I might say that there. What is convincing, though, to me, is there's no better time of year to check out a Marlowe's Tavern than right now as we get ready to get ribs and whiskey going on again. Now, let's say a lot of y'all know two of my favorite things in the whole world are ribs and whiskey, and that's what Marlowe's Tavern uh, brings uh, back to the table. It actually starts back up today. Limited time menu featuring some of your all-time favorites, but also some new things there as well. Honey bourbon bread pudding, that's back there on the dessert side of things, but also there's some new additions there uh, as well. And plus, you get your choice between two great sauces. Think about the Jack Daniels glaze. Think about the Carolina mustard. It's one of the things that makes the ribs and whiskey event so much fun. Those great glazes, sauces that the uh, chef there at the tavern right there in your neighborhood's bringing to the table. Uh, I am very excited myself and heading over for ribs and whiskey and enjoying some of that. My wife wants to do that too. We haven't been to Marlowe's in a couple of weeks here, so we're going to look forward to getting back to one there as well. You can also order like a la carte to go stuff for your tailgate there as well. So you can get stocked up for all of that right there at Marlowe's. 
uh, Tavern, Marlo'sTavern.com. You can find the uh, Tavern right there in your neighborhood. Go enjoy yourself the terrific ribs and whiskey event and really have a great time in one of the most relaxing dining rooms in the entire uh, city. Love Marlo's Tavern. I know you're going to enjoy that as we head through the uh, fall here with the ribs and whiskey event ongoing. All right, speaking of the Auburn game, which I mentioned earlier for George, it was also interesting yesterday to see uh, Auburn wide receiver Demetrius Robertson, who's finding a home there in Mike Bobo and Brian Harson's offense and feeling good about the way that he's going to be used, but also talking about the chance to play his old team here coming up. Jordan Davis Hill tweeting out that um, Robertson was asked about how this Auburn offense that he's playing in now compares to one that he played in at George and the one played in before that at Cal. He says it's really all the same, uh, just different terminology. So it sounds like he's getting comfortable. But also when facing his old teammates, he says, oh, it's going to be fun, fun to play against my old teammates, still my friends, still my boys. It's going to be a great game, great atmosphere. I can't wait to compete, he says. And this is one of those things where we've talked about before that a lot of times when Georgia plays one of its former players in a new spot, sometimes there's some contentiousness and Frankly, in the years to come, there are going to be probably more instances when Georgia plays against a player that used to wear a Georgia uniform. The transfer portal is just making college football feel a little bit more like pro sports free agency. So we're going to have to get used to this as media and fans watching this kind of stuff go down. But I've always kind of gathered that as far as any kind of extra animosity for Robertson towards Georgia, for Georgia towards Robertson, Georgia fans even towards Robertson, I don't really think that exists necessarily. I think that Robertson came to Georgia. It was an experiment worth taking. Um, you know, he had some moments in a UGA uniform. Georgia tried to make him a big part of the offense. And ultimately, it seems like his best shot at finding a comfortable home is going to be somewhere else. So, obviously, Georgia fans don't like Auburn. So they don't necessarily wish Robertson success because that means wishing Auburn success. But there's also no ill will towards Robertson either. And, in games which, you know, he's not playing against Georgia. I think most Georgia fans wouldn't mind seeing him make a catch every now and then. So there'll be some moments when there's probably a little bad blood that gets unearthed by somebody coming back and playing against UGA. In the case of D-Rob coming up here in a few weeks, I don't quite gather that's going to be the case, but it was interesting to hear him talking about his old team, Georgia, yesterday. One more SEC through story to get to. A lot of talk coming out of Baton Rouge about how LSU has to bounce back after losing to UCLA. And we'll do more of this this afternoon on SEC Country Live on the SEC Country video channels. But boy, the loss to, to the Bruins in California with so many LSU fans traveling out to Pasadena to be a part of the game, that has really brought about a lot of criticism for Ed Orgeron. You know, there's been some off-field drama there at LSU and as someone who's several hundred miles away, it's difficult for me to even tell like how much a part of that Orgeron really is, how much of that's just happening around him. But clearly there are some fingers being pointed in that direction. And all of a sudden now, when you lose games on the field as well, it just becomes easier for the pylon to take place. And he's dealing with a little bit of a pylon. And, you know, we're a couple of years removed from a national championship for Orgeron there in 2019. But SEC fans also remember what happened to Gene Chizik a couple of years after his national championship at Auburn in 2010 that weirdly a national championship only buys you so much cover from criticism. And you get the impression that even with a national championship just a little while ago, Ed Orgeron is the kind of coach who needs some wins. After five and five a year ago, after some off-field turmoil, there is a little bit of a, of a certainly a fire swell that seems to be forming around uh, Orgeron right now. And it would seem that he needs to be pretty careful about how he responds to all this, including – with his team on the field here coming up, we'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, I want to turn our attention back to you, Jay, for a moment, and I want to respond to something that I heard from a decent number of Georgia fans. Everett, full disclosure here. I'm about to play you some audio from ESPN Sports Center host L. Duncan. Now, the full disclosure is L is someone that I've known for a while. I like L. Duncan. I used to work with her years ago. I think it's great to have her on ESPN being a Georgia fan. I think that's a uh, a really fun thing to have somebody like that in kind of a high position, big-time attention, who also is unabashed UGA fan. I just think that's good for the program overall. Most of you, I think, kind of agree. And I would say that some of the folks who agree with what I said still didn't like some of what L. Duncan said yesterday. So here's the backstory. Some of you criticized this, and I thought it was enough of you were talking about this that made me want to share it with you on the show here. So Duncan goes on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday, fresh off a win against Clemson with UAB upcoming and a couple other games coming up after that. 
And L. Duncan, instead of being really happy about that, was kind of reflecting the more, I guess, negative side of Georgia fans sometimes who are worried about curses and, you know, Georgia being doomed and whatever else. You know, I like L. Duncan a lot, as I said before. You know, I've known her for a long time and proud of the success she's had there at ESPN. But admittedly, I'm a little bit like some other Georgia fans that didn't necessarily love what she said on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday. So take a listen to this and you can judge for yourself. This is Georgia. We can't have nice things. This is this is UGA. This is a sport that happens in the state of Georgia. Okay? I look at this weekend coming, Paul, and I'm terrified. Not of UAB, because that's preposterous even for Georgia. I'm terrified because you've got Kirby Smart on one hand saying, this is the most worried I've ever been about COVID, as his players one by one have to enter the protocol. I see 93,000 fans being let back into Sanford. Vaccination status unknown. Probably going massless. Let's be real. And then next weekend, I see South Carolina coming. So I can't even do like the mask vaccination thing. That's just a different topic for a different show. I'm not even going to touch that. But I am interested in this whole idea of, oh, this is Georgia. Georgia can't have nice things. That Georgia may get past UAB, but there's some sort of doom and gloom coming because Georgia is kind of caught up in the same Georgia sports curse that seems to exist for the Braves and the Falcons. And I guess you want to include the Hawks and all of that. And listen, Obviously, we've talked about before the you know the feeling that exists. And listen, I'm a fan of, of the professional sports teams. I'm a fan of the Falcons, I'm a fan of the Braves, and I've had some hard luck losses. I mean, my, most of my life has defined by hard luck losses. And yes, Georgia's a big part of that too. But I've just never been a believer in curse. I'm not a believer that somehow Georgia has some sort of demon that has to be exercised. I think Georgia has a problem that needs to be solved, needs to be better on offense. But this is this is not one of those things that Georgia has some sort of mystical power that's holding it back and working against it. And the win against Clemson only prolongs what eventually is going to be some sort of like horrific pratfall on down the line. It's not a guarantee that Georgia goes on to have great success this year, but if it doesn't, I don't believe that some sort of tie-in with the Falcons' misery or the Braves' misery or any of the Georgia sports teams' misery, I don't think that's necessarily a part of that. And deep down, L. Duncan probably doesn't either. I think she's trying to be entertaining on TV. But some of you were a little bit bothered by that yesterday, and I kind of understand that too. I think generally speaking, it would do Georgia fans well to have confidence as you move through the rest of the season and yes I say that knowing full well that some of y'all are going to come back with some uh, claims of hypocrisy against me because last week going into the Clemson game I wasn't necessarily the most confident guy in the world as a fan of Georgia as a guy who wants Georgia to win games it's not like I was strutting around saying Georgia was definitely going to do it but when you earn a game like that when you earn a win like that Maybe maybe it's time to put the Georgia sports curse talk onto the shelf for a moment. Maybe it's time to to look at the possibilities of what could happen and anticipate the season, whether it's looking ahead of the game against Auburn, a game that I've said on today's show that I think Georgia needs to be better offensively by the time you play that game, or looking ahead of the cocktail party or the excitement that you know comes from any other big matchup that Georgia might have. If you're already this good on defense, imagine how much better as a team you get once you get a little bit better on offense, assuming that improvement comes that maybe it's time to speak optimistically about Georgia and you know put the just the superstitious talk of curses and hexes or whatever else you know to kind of you know, you know push that to the side. I like El Duncan. I think she's super entertaining. I'm proud of her for having success on ESPN. I think it's cool to have a Georgia fan in such a high profile uh, position. I think it only helps Georgia's you know brand and, and recruiting efforts to have somebody like El there. Georgia sports curse talk. I think I've probably heard enough of that for my lifetime. Uh, before we wrap up here today, let me also say thanks to all of you who are part of our Dog Nation invasion going back to the weekend. And boy, the thing that I heard so consistently on all of this, Orin Chile Rich, uh, reached out to me and said this on Twitter recently, a lot of you saying this to me in person at Dog Nation invasion, that the finished long drink, which we really have introduced to a lot of people, you did not know about it until we started talking about it, that you've just really enjoyed and loved adding that into your life. And 
you know, I've heard from people who've had all four varieties shipped to them, the, the traditional in the blue can, the long drink uh, strong, which comes in the black can, the long drink zero, which has no sugar, no carbs. Uh, that's a f- fun thing. The long drink cranberry, which I know a lot of you like there as well. All the different varieties were being enjoyed at Dog Nation Invasion at our tailgate in Charlotte on Saturday. It was a great thing to be able to see. The story's a cool one. Going back to the 1950s, the drink was created, introduced as a way of celebrating the summer games being there in Helsinki. And now it's available all over the place. Been in the United States for a couple of years, in Georgia, and really all over the place right now. So thelongdrink.com, the website you can go to and find out where you can get yourself some today. Uh, It was a great accompaniment to our tailgate on Saturday for Dog Nation Invasion, and it's going to be a big part of everything we do for the rest of the football season. I hope that's true for you, too. All right, so Gator Hater Roll Call. Uh, Obviously, Georgia fans thinking about what's next for UGA, and you start – that attention towards October 30th, cocktail party against Florida, and what a fun game that's going to be. We haven't done, believe it or not, a Florida-themed golden shoe in a little while. We've obviously just been very busy on a number of other fronts, and so it's been a little while since we've done a Florida-themed golden shoe, but our uh, buddy here, Brian, on Twitter shares a good one, Brian Kephart. So this is uh, Dan Mullen getting uh, a Georgia G along with the uh, over top of the Gators logo there on Twitter for him. He says, Gator hater for life. Brian, uh, a terrific uh, edit here, a really good job. You love to see the unhappy Mullen having to get the Georgia G tattooed on his shoulder. And that wouldn't be a bad way to see him punished after Georgia wins this game coming up on October 30th. Speaking of that date, let's do our Gator hater countdown right now. Remind you, 52 days from now it happens. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And of the podcast, time off the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Appreciate you being here for us. Let me also say this to our podcast listeners. So we post the show each and every day at dognation.com. A lot of you like to listen to the show there. In fact, it's also one of the places where people send comments for our podcast, Cool Down. So it's kind of an odd story, but yesterday I got locked out of our system and couldn't get back in. So I wasn't able to post the show yesterday, but we will have that posted for you here today we'll have two of those up today so you get a chance to hear um dog nation daily from each of the last two days if you missed yesterday's show because you're waiting for to show up at dognation.com sincere apology for that it was just a weird thing where like the other day like you don't really care about the reason why but um i just had to do something on my computer the other day and um that kind of messed up a bunch of other stuff and so i got locked out of the system because you have to have 87 layers of security now you understand all that the point is, we will get the uh, podcast up on dognation.com for those of you that want it there. And don't forget, while I'm always happy to share the show at dognation.com for those of you who want it, if you do subscribe to one of the podcast platforms, very easy to download one of these apps to your phone. To be honest with you, I, I've kind of changed the podcast player that I use for my own personal enjoyment for a long time. I was exclusively a podcast listener in the Apple app, to be completely honest with you. This is not a commercial or anything this is just my own personal habits changing i've gotten to where now when i listen to podcasts including my own show if i want to go back and hear some of it i've gotten to where i listen on spotify i've just decided that i enjoy the spotify podcast uh, platform i think it functions really well i would say for me it functions better than the apple app does Uh, but once again whichever app that you like uh listening on apple that is what you're used to or spotify or the android devices or whichever app you're comfortable with uh, we thank you so much for listening and if you've never tried to download one of those podcast players and subscribe to the show we haven't really done a push for subscriptions in a long time but if if, if you normally a dognation.com listener and you want to try that i think most people find that to be pretty convenient because you know it's hard to get the podcast post up before the afternoon we usually posts by about 3 p.m or so but the podcast on the podcast player is always up every day by about 12 30 we had a couple days in the summer we may have been a little bit late um but i mean i think we're pretty regularly by 12 30 p.m up on all the major podcast platforms and hopefully we're doing a, j- a good job of staying pretty consistent on all of that uh lamar lovelace weighs in on yesterday's show on twitter saying he thought it was a great show which first of all i'm always thankful for the compliment he says it was a nice breakdown with confidence in the growth to come and I think that's one of the things that you kind of look at from Georgia right now, that a lot of things can be true at once. Greatest defensive performance I've ever seen that truly matters, especially the kind of defense that Georgia's playing on Saturday with that aggressive brand of getting after quarterbacks, offensive improvement that you need to see a lot more of if Georgia's going to be as good by the end of the season as all of us hope that it can be. 
but also plenty of optimism that there is time now to do that. I said this today, and I forget if I said this during the regular show, if I said this when I, when I was speaking to the video audience a little earlier, but there are rewards that come from winning games. There, you know, there is benefits that come when you take care of your business. And for Georgia, the benefit that it earns from having beaten Clemson is the freedom now to take a few weeks to to do what it needs to do. Georgia's not facing a proving ground game the next few weeks, which is not the same thing as saying they don't have to be on guard and ready to play the best they're capable of playing at that time. But think about the way that the UAB game would be viewed had Georgia lost against Clemson. Oh, Georgia needs to bounce back. Georgia needs to go out and prove that it's better than it showed last Saturday against Clemson. And that's hard to do in a situation like that, but that's what Georgia would be asked to do had it lost the game. Now, for the most part, Georgia won the game against Clemson, and most of the people who kind of you know observe college football from a national perspective will be watching Ohio State-Oregon on Saturday. They'll be watching, uh, you know, I don't even know what. Uh, there's not a ton of big games on Saturday. Uh, Iowa State, I guess, maybe. The point is, though, it's not like there's going to be this close examination of Georgia's game against UAB, nor will they be in upcoming weeks against teams like South Carolina and Vanderbilt, uh, others. It's that road game against Auburn where you're going to really see a lot of attention show back up. And as Mike Griffith mentioned when he joined us, also a little bit of a attention probably on that Arkansas game, probably two. But that's a few weeks down the line. Georgia's got some time now to fix itself, to get healthier. And I'm not saying it's going to be perfect come October, but I'm saying that Georgia has earned the right to to work its way towards some improvement and it can kind of do that for now sort of at its own pace. So I'm optimistic for what you'll see on Saturday. I'm certainly curious about it. I don't expect it to be beautiful. I don't think Georgia scores 50 points, but can they do enough to to win comfortably by the end and come close to the predicted spread of around 25 points? I would think that's going to be a pretty interesting thing to try to watch uh, unfold and observe. And we'll obviously continue to talk about that as the days roll on. So thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We appreciate that. Check out R.S. Andrews online at, dog, at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. If your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. But you need to find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, well, actually, time-wise, you don't care. You'll listen to the show whenever you listen to it. And that's why we love podcasts. But anyway, Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We'll see you again tomorrow.